What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. This is Doug Anderson here with Riley O'Brien, Justin Treese, and Austin Cunningham. Tonight, we're going to be talking football. We will be redrafting the first 12 picks of the 2014 NFL Draft. Also looking at which local Utah college players will hear their name called on draft night this year. We will also be giving you a look into how we grade linebackers, running backs, and cornerbacks, as well as revealing our top five at those positions in this year's class. Lastly, we'll be talking about players that we had high hopes for and eventually just led to break our hearts. They didn't live up to the hype and they didn't match the expectations that were set for them. And that'll wrap up this episode of Talking Football. So everybody, today was a glorious day in uh, Cleveland Browns football history. They had a a press conference with Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham Jr. Oh my goodness, thank you. Now, I was at Teresa's house earlier today. I actually took the photo, turned my phone to him, and said, look at this, dude, this is ridiculous. And Teresa, what did you say? Let's see you win games first. (laughs) Listen, I'm the same way. Even Freddie Kitchens was like, whoop-de-hell, like we have a... Super Bowl, or everybody's saying we should make the Super Bowl. We're supposed to look good on paper, but it's like, whoop de hell. We got to win a game first, which I agree. Yeah, totally. It's April 1st. You're not winning the Super Bowl today. No, no. Heck, we don't even play the first game for forever, it seems like, until like, I don't know, my next lifetime. That's what it feels like at this point. Yeah. And by the way, I'm still just fucking jealous. That's why I'm trying to be an asshole. Right now. <laughs> We're trying to bring you back down to our level. Although I'm sure that Austin's probably up there with you. No, I hope the Browns suck. I don't want them to be any good. I want the Browns to stay really bad. And you know what? I'm stoked you guys got Ogba. I bet he'll be really good for you. Yeah, go ahead and give me like a quick scouting report on this kid. I don't know much about him. Where you go to school? What's he good at? What's he bad at? What can Um, I be happy for? And what am I going to want to yell at him? um, He has a ton of ceiling as long as he's healthy. That's the thing. He hasn't been healthy for a well, I guess last season he was pretty close for the full season healthy, but the year before that he was out most of the year. I think he hurt his foot. I don't remember, but he just hasn't lived up to his potential. In all reality, for what we got, um, you guys, I feel like come out as the winners in that trade, but I can already see him being one of those Browns players that never produced, but then he goes to the Chiefs and. He's going to go to the Pro Bowl. I'm not saying he's going to go to the Pro Bowl, but I could see him being a high-caliber player. In a similar situation with Eric Murray, that was just a straight trade, I believe. Mm-hmm. But Murray, you know, they drafted him as a cornerback. They switched him to a safety. He didn't do much. I don't know if mainly just Bob Sutton's defense, you know, requiring too much from the safety position and him just not retaining it enough, you know, facing injuries. And then just the whole issue with our defensive scheme not being any good, you know, Typical Kansas City Chiefs past two years for defense, but I could see him as well going to Cleveland and doing very well. I, I like how you said maybe they're asking for too much from the safeties. I was like, what what do they ask for from the safeties? Just let like seam routes just be wide open. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they'll be they'll say, hey, we're gonna have the middle of the field wide open. There's gonna be about a 15 yard radius of just a green. And we want you to be able to cover all that in front of you and everything else behind you. And good luck. Ready Logic. So do you do you Bob think Sutton. that Bob Sutton's <laughs> mindset? Do you think Murray would have been better had he moved back to cornerback, or just because he was safety, that's what he lacked with? Um, I think it was just kind of one of those things they saw that 
you know, maybe he had the speed. I just don't think they thought he had the speed to cover at the next level. But my first thought that I had when he was traded to Cleveland is maybe the fact that they move him to corner and just see how he does, you know, just depending on how, because they're going to have a new defensive scheme as well with the whole change of the regimen. So, I mean, similar to what they did with Demarius Randall, right? He was a corner, they moved him to safety. Maybe they take Murray from safety to corner and, you know, Dorsey looks like a genius once again. Yeah, well, at this, at this point, um, they released Derek Kindred this morning, which to me came out of nowhere. It makes sense now, though, because like Ogba didn't show up. Clearly, the trade was already in the process, just not announced. But I, w- I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if Murray goes back to corner, just because that's Dorsey's mindset. Let the players play their original positions. Because, I mean, Demarius Randall, he's a dog, dude. Like, I'm super glad that he's a Brown because he did amazing last year. And then another question, just because there's so much that happened today, where do you guys think Duke Johnson lands? I think that teams like um, Atlanta could could use him. I could see a team like Tampa Bay using him. Um, I mean, there's there's a few other options, right? But those are kind of the main two that I that I saw. I would agree with you there. The other option that I definitely thought of, just because the history, I thought the Chiefs as well. You know, maybe just getting another passing down back. I don't know what they would do to give up for him or how well he would do in Kansas City, but a back that can catch the ball you know, is definitely what we're seeing in the Chiefs offense. They definitely uploaded or loaded up on running backs last year. I could see them doing it this year, but with the potential of them drafting and running back in the top three rounds, maybe that's not something I want to give a trade away for. They're just going to go ahead and draft that pick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, I was just looking at my phone to see the other team that I mentioned. And the other team I was thinking of is the Vikings. So they lost Murray to the Saints. Um, do they really want to leave Dalvin Cook kind of being that main workhorse? Or do they want somebody else that can kind of come in on some passing downs? I could see uh, the Vikings being a good option there. Right on. Well, sweet. Yeah, I don't know what they can really get for Duke Johnson at this point with that salary right doesn't I can't remember his contract but it's it's a decent sized contract right it's decent so, I mean they signed him they gave him an extension last ago. year last yeah I can't remember it was two years so I mean well, he's he was well the thing was with him is he's like last year he's like I want to stay in Cleveland Brown forever this is the team that took a chance on me like I want to be in a dog pound for forever and then this year he's the one that requested the trade I mean, yeah. It they, makes sense, they, though. They went and got Kareem Hunt. He's not going to see the field. So, exactly. yeah, it makes total and sense. They're not going to move him to slot, even though I think they should. They don't have any need for it anymore. But, yeah. So, I could see why he wanted to do that. And, I mean, it's a business. And you want to you play. And so, what you're saying is, I don't know what I could get out of him. You, you'd be hoping for, like, a six-rounder at this point. Yeah, we're not, it's not going to be that with much. With that contract, right? It's kind of like the whole Carlos Hyde thing earlier that we talked about, like in po- uh, podcast one or two. All right, gentlemen. So in the spirit of the mock drafts we did last week, I wanted to have us go uh, with retrospect now. Take me through the first 12 picks of the 2014 uh, NFL draft. So Treese is going to go first, drafting for the Texans. Austin will then draft for the Rams. And then we'll have Doug draft for Treese's Jacksonville Jaguars. You're up first, Trees. Okay, cool. So pick number one with the Houston Texans. They are going to pick a man who was actually picked 13th in this draft, and that would be reigning defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. The original pick was Jadavian Clowney. Yep. 
Okay. If Clowney stays healthy and lives up to his potential, you still leave that pick there, correct? Yeah, if he lives up to the potential, absolutely. Um, and then Dar- Donald would obviously be in that top three. But, yeah, potential was just so big with Clowney. If awesome. Clowney hits his potential, he's still better than Khalil Mack? Uh, I don't necessarily think I'd go that far just because Khalil – just of how dominant Khalil is in every aspect of the game. You know, he's not the best in pass coverage. But just the fact that, you know, last year we saw it with him with the Bears. He literally is pushing offensive linemen away with his left hand, like Reggie White, and just getting to the quarterback or pushing the offensive lineman into the quarterback and just completely effing up a play all on his own. So yeah. speaking of Killer Mac, that's exactly who I had here going for the 2014 draft here that we're redoing at pick two going to the Rams. Instead of Greg Robinson. Robinson. Yep. Yep. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. All right, Doug. All right, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I had a really hard time with this pick, but alas, going OBJ. Get him some offensive weapons. With the original pick being good old Bortles. <laughs> Treese, he's he's pretty happy about that one. <laughs> but yeah, dude, OBJ going to the Jags, heading to Duval, so love it absolutely love it all right uh i am up with the pick number four with the buffalo bills so the bills traded up to number four in this pick or in this draft so i don't know necessarily believe they would trade up for this position but i'm still picking i'm still going with it because i think he is arguably the best offensive lineman in football and that is zach martin sound pick not gonna argue with that all right i like it okay who do the raiders have austin the Raiders have at pick five. I have them going Jimmy G. Instead of getting Derek Carr in the second round, they decided to go ahead and just get Jimmy G here. A guy that was groomed in New England behind Tom Brady. We're going to act like here that he already had everything there from the beginning. And boom, put him in New England, put him in Oakland and watch him tear up the Chiefs defense. <laughs> I bet that hurts to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it now. Until they show me otherwise, our defense sucks. (laughs) Let me ask you guys this really quick. Um, I'm genuinely curious. Where do you have Jimmy G on your quarterback list? Is he a top five if he hits his potential this year? Do you got him top eight? I put him in top eight. I don't know about top five. Trees, Austin? If he stays healthy, I mean, if he doesn't get hurt that game against the Chiefs, they come back and win that game. I mean, they were marching all the way down the field. And if he would have just ran out of bounds, he would have stayed. You know, I mean, he wouldn't have tore his ACL. But it's because he decided to take another step in and try to lay shoulder into D Ford, which is now his teammate. So now D Ford probably feels even worse about it. So sorry, dude. Yeah. (laughs) The 49ers were coming back to win that game. Because as a fan, you're you're sitting there like, we're really about to see Kyle Shanahan put up together a game-winning drive. And Garoppolo's going to nail it to perfection like he did at the end of the season last year against Teresa's Jaguars. Do you remember that when they showed it on NFL Films, him calling every single play right before they got onto the field? Yep. Boom, they hit every play, win the game. That's exactly what was going to happen. So if Jimmy G can stay healthy, I think he is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Wow. Yeah, Uh I don't think he's top-five, but he's in that six to ten range for me. Yeah. He, I, I feel like he could be pushing the envelope in the next two years. Um, anybody can do anything with Kyle Shanahan as your offensive coordinator and head coach. Kyle Shanahan is honestly my 
favorite head coach. Me too. So two years ago, Riley will back me up on this. I was like, if the Jaguars don't go after Kyle Shanahan, I fucking am disowning this team. Like I was so fucking hell bent on them getting him. And then what did they do? Let's just fucking just sign Doug Marone, who was our offensive line coach. Because, yeah, let's just keep everything the same because that always fucking works. And did Chris <laughs> disown them? He did not. I'm going to disown you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, hey, Doug's up with the Falcons. All right. Hey, hold up, though, real quick. I'm going to call this now. Jimmy G's in talks for MVP next year. Ooh, come on, okay. ACL. George Kittle, George Kittle led the league in receiving yards with a backup and third string quarterback. I don't know about M- I don't know about MVP, but I'll say he will be up for comeback player of the year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so- you win two awards as a player? Absolutely. Yeah, because look at yeah. back. He's the only player to win all pro in two positions, right? I could okay. see it. I really could. I'll I'll call that shot right now. I like it. I really I'll take. Do. I'll take. Yeah. I mean, all I know is George Kittle had more yards than Travis Kelsey because he's better, but. He literally got it 30 minutes later. I mean, that was it. It was like Travis Kelsey broke the record for most streaming years by a tight end. Just kidding. Here's George Kittle. Yeah, totally. No, it, that was actually a really fun, like, week 17, like, storyline because everything was mainly set. So, all right. Uh, sorry, pick six. Go ahead. Yeah, no, we're good. All right, so for me, for the Atlanta Falcons, I'm taking Taylor Lewan, uh, building up a very strong base. Uh, they took Jake Matthews at this pick. Now, the rookie year for Jake Matthews was not good, um, and I feel like Taylor Lewan is the most entertaining lineman in my book in the NFL, and I also think he is a stellar, stellar tackle. So that's my pick. Cool. Austin, awesome. argue. Tampa Bay, seven overall. Yep. So the original pick was Mike Evans, uh, wide receiver out of Texas A&M. I'm going to go with the wide receiver that they should have taken, which is Devontae Adams, wide receiver, who's now on the Green Bay Packers, out of Fresno State. And I think that he – I don't think that it's just Aaron Rodgers that makes Devontae Adams good. I think he is a really good football player. You watch his release. He has some of the nastiest releases on cornerbacks every week, and it's it's a pleasure to watch. And dude can take a freaking hit too. Like injury doesn't concern me with him because he's going to play his ass off when he comes back. Absolutely. Good pick. Austin. Tell us who you have the uh, Cleveland Browns taking at eight. I'm having the Cleveland Browns take Mike Evans. I don't know why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would pass up on Mike Evans at seven when he has literally led the league in receiving or been in the top three the past two seasons. You just don't hear about it because he's in Tampa Bay. They don't have anything else going on, and Jameis Winston likes to steal crab legs, lobster, whatever he is, or touches Uber drivers inappropriately, whatever's going on there. That's the reason why you don't hear about Mike Evans because there's so much other noise going on. But he is a great player. He runs good routes. He's healthy. He's faster than people give him credit for, and he's going to come down with those 50-50 balls a lot more than you know them getting broken up. All right, so let's talk about this for a second, though. So my reasoning was Mike Evans always leads the league in drops. Um, I actually don't think Mike Evans is a good route runner. 
Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We're uh, we're on a video chat, and Austin's face just is amazing. So, um, <laughs> but you're right. Like he always gets the yards and everything. But I just I like I like the way that Adams is growing as a wide receiver, and I just think that overall he's just a better he's just a better player and makes the other receivers better around him. So does that go into the fact that he has the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? It's not the best anymore. Hello, Patrick Mahomes. But you think that goes into it because the balls are just placed perfectly for him with Mike Evans. I mean, the ball is all over the place. You know, the amount of targets that he gets a game, I don't mind him leading the league in drops because he does have so many targets a game because he's also leading the league in receiving yards. So once he does make the catch, boom, he's gone. Yeah, but... Tampa Bay just always, I mean, at least the last couple of years, has led the league in passing attempts. And so I just think that some of his yardage comes just by pure volume over actual talent. And I just, I mean, I can't say that. This year, Devontae Adams, I think, led the league in targets. But um, I just like what I've seen out of Adams and just the way he's grown and kind of taken over that leadership over Jordy and over Cobb and just kind of, and he's really like grooming the younger guys like uh, Scantling and uh, Brown. I just like what he's doing there. Um, I'm not saying that Evans isn't a good player because I literally was going to take him with my next pick um, if he was still there. I just I just like the more consistency out of Adams, personally. So, with my pick for the Minnesota Vikings, it's Ryan Shazier. I really like Ryan Shazier. Great in coverage. Um, however, going to the Steelers, he had what happened to him, that injury. I wish that he would have gone somewhere that would have been able to help refine his tackling instead of be so reckless. Because I feel like a lot of time with Steelers, that's just what they breed is just reckless, almost prayerful type tackles where I'm just going to huck my body at you and you better go down. So I think he'd be a better fit for the Vikings and he'd be pretty fun to watch as well for the Vikings. So Ryan Shazier, they originally took uh, Anthony Barr. Yep. Okay. Pick, Pick 10, Detroit Lions. Original pick was Eric Ebron. And I'm going to get the man who actually went number one in this draft and get Jadavion Clowney. Still can't believe that he fell all the way down to 10. Yeah, me either. I'm happy he did. I just wish it was real. That's <laughs> the life of a Lions fan. You're wishing things were real and not just made up in your imagination. We're winning the Super Bowl this year. Austin, give us the 11th pick for the Titans. I pick 11 here for the Tennessee Titans. The original pick was Taylor Lewan. Um, since he was already taken here by the Falcons, thanks to Doug. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Javaris Landry. I'll just go ahead and stick on this wide receiver uh, train that I'm on. Now, this is a guy that we all know does run good routes. He does catch the ball. And he may not may, he may not do a lot after he catches the ball, but you know he is going to catch it if the ball's thrown to him. He's going to do his best to get it. And I think that would have helped a lot of issues that we are seeing in Tennessee right now with them not having a reliable receiver that can catch the ball or get open. Yeah, I loved this pick when you when you chose it. Same. I have I have no quarrels with Jarvis Landry. So. Hey, Doug, cap this off. The New York Giants at pick 12. All right. The original pick was my man, OBJ. Um, but instead of the Vikings taking him, I'm having the New York Giants take Anthony Barr. He's quick, good in coverage, good tackler. Something that the Giants could definitely use, so I'd definitely take Anthony Barr. 
So if I'm not mistaken here, six of the original top 12 picks fall out of the top 12 altogether in the re-mock draft here. One of those players is out of the league. <laughs> One disappointed with the Lions, uh, is doing well with the Colts now. And the other uh, damn near quarterbacked the uh, Jaguars to the Super Bowl and is now a backup to the team that just lost the Super Bowl. Yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. That's our mock draft. <laughs> That's fun. Beautiful. All right, for our next segment here, we're going to do a player evaluation and ranking segment. Doug, Treese, and Austin are not only great at mock drafting, they're good scouts. And I wanted to have them give us insight into how they evaluate different positions. Doug's going to start first. He's going to evaluate cornerbacks for us. Treese will then go with running backs. Austin will go with linebackers. At the end of your evaluations, reveal your top five for your position for the 2019 draft class. Awesome. So cornerbacks for me are a fun position to evaluate just because there's some of the people that can talk the most smack in the NFL and it's a position where they can definitely prove it. I mean, take Sherman, Ramsey, they're going to have mouths and that's actually something I, I like to a degree. Um, when I look at a cornerback, I look at a lot of their instincts, whether or not they can jump on a, a route, they can read the plays, not quite with perfection, but more often than not, they're going to be right there where the ball is going to be thrown. Even if they have to break off of the receiver they're covering, they can just tell they've done their research, they've watched the film, um, and that plays into their agility, which is number two for me. With their agility being able to hurry and run to the receiver, keep with the receiver. Agility plays into a lot of things, especially movement of their hips. Um, when I watch a corner, especially a corner playing man, starting out with press coverage, how much they can press, and then backpedaling, flipping their hips as fast as they can without stuttering, essentially, without missing a step, staying one-on-one -on -one with the receiver is huge for me. Um, and that's when it comes to the combine. Certain combine numbers, they're numbers to me, but being able to watch more of the actual agility drills, um, more of the ball drills, like the W, for instance, being able to watch their movement, being able to transition directions is huge. But then also tackling is another huge thing for me because if you are a corner that's trying to prevent a game-winning touchdown and you suck at tackling, well, they're going to throw it your way. You're going to get beat. I hate to use this as an example, but Williams, um, for the Saints, with the Stephon Diggs, uh, Minnesota Miracle, that very last play that sealed the deal for the Vikings, when he went in for the tackle, I get what he was wanting to do. He was wanting to keep Diggs inbounds, um, but, I mean, he completely – it was one of those tackles where it's one of those prayerful tackles where they're just going to throw their bodies, think that it's going to work, but they have no way to rebound if they miss that tackle. And because of that, Diggs made the touchdown, Vikings won. So tackling is huge for me with corners. Um, and kind of the red flags that come with that. With being a corner, it takes a lot of charisma, a lot of um, mouth. The one player that that doesn't apply for is definitely Denzel Ward. He's a definite quieter, more quiet corner. Um, but there are times when corners run their mouths a little too much. Um, 
And that can sometimes either kick them in the ass or it can help back up their game. Like, I'm trying to remember, what was the cornerback that DeAndre Hopkins juked out during practice and he tore his Achilles? You're talking about D'Angelo Hall? Yeah, D'Angelo Hall. Dude had a mouth, never was a fan of him, got juked out by Hopkins, and he got hurt. With corners, there aren't a ton of red flags. It's mostly just personality traits as well as missed tackles. Um, But now I will give you my top five corners in this draft. My number one is Byron Murphy. Love Byron Murphy. Uh, My number two is Greedy Williams. Number three is DeAndre Baker. Um, My number four is Amani Ariwarie. I can never say his last name right, so forgive me. And my number five is Rocky Sin. But I will say my number five changes almost on the daily between Rocky Sin, Mullen, Love, and Lane. But that's that's how I look at corners. And there are actually quite a few corners in this class that I'm in love with. Maybe not because of their talent, but because of the way they play. Like Duke Shelley um, out of Kansas. I really like him. But yeah, there's some good corners in this class. I'm not going to say there's crazy depth. But there are some really good second round, first round, potentially third corners in this draft. So your three traits. Number one? Is instincts and then agility and tackling. Instincts, agility, tackling. Excellent. Very good. Treese, talk to us about running backs. Yeah. All right, so I got running backs uh, this week. So my number one thing, which I think it's everybody's number one thing with running backs, is vision. You got to be able to see what's around you, see cutback lanes, seeing what what holes are going to open when they're not right open right when you get the ball. So that's obviously very important as a running back to get over that four yards per carry average. Uh, Number two thing for me is pass blocking with today's – game obviously you're passing a lot i want somebody that can come in and actually pass block protect the quarterback you're not always going to be going out for a pass as a running back you gotta you gotta put your head down and really uh protect your guy so that would be my number two thing number three kind of goes with vision but like a lateral burst and agility so guys like christian mccaffrey and saquon barkley if you want to know what lateral burst and agility is, you watch those two play on a Sunday afternoon, and you'll see exactly what everybody's talking about when when they say that. Um, being able to just cut and go from going straight up to left on an angle or right on an angle on a dime, that's going to be huge, and that's where you get uh, the ability to burst off big runs. So that those are my biggest three things that I watch. Uh, as for the combine... I don't really put too much stock into your 40 time as a running back. Obviously, you don't want to be too slow like, say, Holyfield, right? Uh, Poor Holyfield. (laughs) You don't want to be running a 4-8, But somebody that's in the 4-6s, that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, Look at Kareem Hunt, for example. He ran a 4-6-3, and he's doing just fine. There's a difference between, like, track speed and game speed, and you can see it there. So that would be thing something I don't really put a lot of emphasis on. The 20-yard shuttle I do. I really want to see guys 
under that like four three five four three area. So you can see that if you go and look at like stats, a lot of the elite running backs are all under like four point two seven. So like that's that's the big one when it comes to the combine that I pay attention to for running backs. So question here. Utah's running back, Zach Moss, when he got injured last year, was out for the season. My dad was asking me, is he going to go to the league? Is he going to stay? And my first thought was to ask you, uh, what round would he be drafted in? I think you were saying maybe a third, fourth. So I said before the injury, I thought he was a fifth round pick. And once he got hurt, I said he was undraftable. So what makes him a fourth round pick, let's say, versus a first round pick if you're drafting? Is it the pass blocking? Uh, I actually don't think he's horrible at pass blocking. He's gotten better as he's grown. But for me, it's more that lateral burst and agility. He has it, but he doesn't always use it. He's always looking to put his head down and try to truck someone. I want to see him. There's a, there's a big difference of like, sometimes you got to just try to run somebody over, but there's also guys that just look for contact to look for somebody to run someone over where they end up with a six yard run rather than if you would have tried to cut, you could have made it a 13 to 15 yard run. And it's just that physical mentality that a lot, some running backs have that ends up costing them yardage every time they run the ball. Love it. Give us your top five 2019 prospects at this position. Yep. Number one is Josh Jacobs. Number two is Miles Sanders. Number three is David Montgomery. Number four is Mike Weber. And number five is Daryl Henderson. Excellent. Austin, shed some light on linebackers for us. Yes, so the linebacker position. Um, This position is one that has definitely changed along with the NFL the last 10 years or so. You know, before it used to be a big guy that was real physical, could hit a, like, could fill a hole, and he was just fast enough to get to the outside and stop a running back, but he had to be powerful enough to stop the running back in his tracks and not get run over. Today's day and age linebacker is someone who was probably formerly a running back and has now transitioned to a linebacker. They're going to be pretty fast. They're smart. They're going to know what play's coming before it does, and they're typically a little bit smaller. They're not as big. You know, those bigger linebackers are kind of in the older age of football. So as we move forward here into the new age of linebackers, the things that I still like to see are going to be their instincts. How quickly can they see a play develop? You know, how fast can they react to it before the play gets to them? In a sense, here goes into my next point. Um, them being able to fill a hole, can they meet the block or is the block going to meet them? And I mean that as, are they going to get to the hole and meet the offensive lineman that might be the guard that's going to be pulling or, a, you know, a guard that's coming up to the next level on a power run or however this is going? Are they going to go meet the block? Or are they going to let the block come to them? So being able to fill the hole is my second one. And then the third is going to be speed. Are you going to be able to cover? Can you cover a tight end? Can you cover a slot receiver and coming across in your zone? And can you chase down a running back to the outside? So those three things are what are going to be my key components of being a productive linebacker here in the NFL. And this goes right into my top five, which is going to be Devin White from LSU, Devin Bush from Michigan, Mac Wilson from Alabama. And this is where it kind of gets a little odd to some. You know, these names aren't the biggest ones here coming into the draft, but Jermaine Pratt from North Carolina State. And then one that I really like that not a lot of people are talking about, but David Long from West Virginia. 
And there are some other guys that I like as in a Dakota Allen. He reminds me of a Derek Johnson from Kansas City, you know, kid that came out of Texas. He's not the biggest guy, but he's fast and he's reactive and he's going to lay the hit when he's there. And then Deshaun Davis, I met him at the Senior Bowl. He answered my question. Um, I asked him, you know, who's a player that you compare yourself to at a pro level? And he looked me right in the eye and goes, well, who do you think I compare to? Like, oh, yeah, that was a good comeback question, but you didn't answer <laughs> mine, and I don't really have one for you right now. That's a great and, answer on your part as well. <laughs> he didn't answer the question. We pretty much left after that. But, <laughs> but yeah, there's my key components of being a productive linebacker at the next level. I love it. You guys and, killed it. And for those that are aware, Dakota Allen, also last chance U-star. Yep. And so, of course, of course, from a linebacker, you have to tackle. I didn't say it. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah. If you're going to hit yeah, someone, good. wrap up, take them down. Don't just lay shoulder in and hope that, you know, he's going to go down after a hit, like Doug was saying with Shazier and uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. No, that was awesome. You guys killed it. I don't want to put you guys on the spot too much. Can you? Do you each have a sleeper prospect? Austin, you just named a few, but sleeper at those positions for this draft class? I'll go ahead and answer mine right now. Mine's Dakota Allen. I've liked him since last chance you, um, you know, of course that issue with stealing a woman's purse or whatever the incident was, you know, of course that was a wrongdoing, but he's made up for the mistake. He's done everything right since then. He's shown that he can be, you know, a viable citizen and do good. And he even made it back to Texas tech where he led the team in tackles. You know, he's not the biggest guy, like I said, but he does remind me of Derek Johnson. He's going to react to the play. He knows what's coming before it does. And I think he's a good tackler as well who's going to finish a play. So that's my sleeper for the draft coming up. I kind of have two in a way. So Duke Shelley, I kind of mentioned him from Kansas State. He hurt his toe in his very last game at Kansas State. He was trying to take an uh, interception back for a pick six to break the school record. Um, dude's insane. Really good at coverage. Um, he's somebody I trust one-on-one in the red zone, especially for high point passes, not the tallest dude, but damn, he can break it up. Um, ball Hawk too. But another one is actually Ryan Pulley from Arkansas. I see him playing more at strong safety. Um, he's put on a little bit of weight, but damn, he can fly around the field. I like his versatility with being able to go from sideline to sideline. Um, pick up on plays where receivers somehow find an opening in the field. He jumps routes. Those are my two sleepers. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring up two, but those are two that I really like. Yeah, mine is Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. He's probably, arguably, like the most talented running back in this class. He's just been hurt every single year at Oklahoma. He's missed more games than he's actually played. But if you've watched him play at all, you see the talent. You see that he can do anything. Um, on the football field so he would be my sleeper for the draft on the running backs all right and now we are heading into our twitter questions that we got here we only got one tonight but uh we definitely like to get those up so if you guys have any questions that you'd like to ask us whether it's related to our teams your team or anything outside of the nfl or the draft don't be afraid to ask but the question we got here is from todd o'brien at bad rumor music he asks what players, if any, do you see getting drafted from Utah, BYU, Utah State, Weber State, or SUU? Now, I'm going to be honest. You guys are all from middle of nowhere, living in the mountains, Utah, and I'm here in Missouri, <laughs> where we do have some size, some skyscrapers, 
and some land. I don't know what all you guys got going on out over there, but leave this answer to you guys. I mean, we got Google, we got Facebook, we got Adobe. I we mean, have talking football. We got talking <laughs> football here. I mean, we got we got a few big things around around these parts. The, that's all in Utah. It's all yeah. it's all in Utah. Where at in Utah? Salt Lake City. Is that the only thing you, Utah's got? Salt Lake City. Pretty much. We yeah. have the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> that's true. We'll you have you my out question. here Thank you. All right. So what players do you guys see coming from these local schools out of Salt Lake? Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll start us off. So, Doug, let's just go every other here. So awesome. I'll start off with Chase Hansen, linebacker out of Utah. Uh, a lot of people may know that name because he was a pretty big recruit and he came in Started as a quarterback, actually, and then ended up moving over to defense and went to safety, played safety, played very well as a safety. And then the last two years has been the captain of the team with um, leading the team in tackles. I think he led the team in tackles this year. And yeah, just middle linebacker there. And he was first team all pack 12. I could see him getting drafted mid-rounds, fourth or fifth round. I like that player a lot. I like that prospect. Um, for me, somebody that I've recently been really like watching and kind of trying to study is Gage Ferguson out of Utah State. He's safety. Um, he is a tough player. Uh, dude can tackle. I've seen a few of his plays where he is able to just jump on a route as he see it's develop as he sees it developing with how the offense thinks they're able to manipulate the corners, drop coverage certain areas, but Gage is able to jump down from a play without sacrificing or going against instinct with leaving the top open. He's also pretty fast too. I'm not going to say he's going to have the speed to blow people away, but he is going to be able to make a play even if he is kind of farther back. I could see I could see him going fifth or sixth round. Um, that would be my hope for him. They just had their pro day and he didn't do too bad. Um, but more realistically, seventh round pick. Cool. Yeah. My next one is a kicker, Matt Gay out of Utah. Um, and Chicago Bears fans and front office. This is a guy you probably should take before round seven. <laughs> I mean, I think you guys need a kicker, and this dude is a beast. Uh, one of my favorite comments was they were asking, like, if he could make a kick, and he was just like, I don't leave kicks up short. I don't leave them up short. <laughs> like, he prides himself on having this strong leg, and he showed it during his entire career at Utah. He's easily the best kicker in this draft. I don't, I don't scout kickers, so I'm not going to pretend like I know what they are, but I, I watch him every Saturday, and he is awesome. All right, I got one more, um, almost along the same lines, but freaking Mitchell Wisnowski, um from University of Utah, the fastest punter in the combine. Uh, I really like him, an Aussie kid that uh, transitioned – Played great ball. He's a punter, but you know what? Good seventh round value. Maybe an undrafted free agent where he gets to go and work out in some training camps, prove himself. But the team that takes a chance on him will be able to find a punter for years to come. I like that. And my last one is 
BYU fans, we're not going to leave you out, so don't you worry. I know that everybody was thinking we would. and just We, we tried to. We yeah, really we did. Yeah, we tried to. We really did. But And I apologize. I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, but Sion Takitaki, linebacker out of BYU, and ran a 4.6 at the 40, a good 20-yard shuttle at 4.28, and... Uh, vertical jumps pretty good. So I just think he's an overall pretty good athlete. I don't think that he's going to be like this all-star linebacker, but I do think that he's the type of player that can stay on a roster consistently throughout his career, be a great special teams player. And when an injury happens, he he'll be able to take the field and produce what they need out of a backup. So our last segment for tonight's show, I've asked each of these guys to, uh, I mean, we probably could go on talking about players that have disappointed us for the rest of the night. But I've asked these guys to give us a name or two. A player that you once had hope or felt would be a really good NFL player that you've just now kind of waved the white flag on and lost that hope. Doug, start us off. Yeah, I'll um, I'll go off of a former first-rounder, Corey Coleman. Um, not even just because he was – a Browns player, um, but I loved him at Baylor. He was quick. I thought his routes were great. I thought he was a hard worker. Once he got to the next level, from what we started to learn towards the latter end of last offseason, he, he kind of picked up some lazy tendencies, didn't have a diet, didn't prepare himself very well. But the thing that's disappointed me is he hasn't found a landing spot. I don't want to say he's going to stay with the Giants, I mean, I I don't know. I know that they kind of re-signed him, um, kept him there. But, I mean, he went to the Bills. The Bills didn't even want him. He went to the Patriots. Josh Gordon gets traded, kind of gets screwed over by the Browns. The Patriots cut him. He goes to the Giants. Um, doesn't really do much. He's still up. He's still there. But, man, I think the moment I gave up on Corey Coleman was the very last game of the 0-16 season when Deshaun Kaiser threw in a really good, accurate ball, which hadn't really happened that year, and it went straight through Corey Coleman's hands. And that right there encapsulated the entire 0-16 season. From that moment on, I was like, you know what? He's not going to amount to what he should have been. So Corey Coleman, that's that's who I've lost hope in. Corey Coleman makes sense. If, if he does something to encapsulate an 0-16 season, I think a lot of us would be in the mode of just giving up at that point right now. To Doug's credit, he has stayed a loyal Browns fan. This season when they do well uh, and everyone calls him a bandwagon fan, we've got his which, back. Which has freaking happened twice. I, I'm just wearing like a Browns hoodie or a hat. And I'm like, oh, OBJ, you're a Browns fan now, right? Like, they don't know that you were there, the Corey Coleman's. Get out of here. Treese. I think I know your philosophy with Baylor receivers, if I'm not mistaken. Did you expect Corey Coleman to be good? No. Tell us why. There's no Baylor wide receivers good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't even consider Josh Gordon a Baylor wide receiver. He's a, he's a Utah wide receiver. Yeah, that's right. That's what that's always my favorite thing when people ask, so where'd Josh Gordon go? University of Utah? Did he really? Kind of. I mean, he went to the school. He didn't step on the field, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Claiming you, <laughs> Super Bowl champion Josh Gordon. Oh gosh, Treese, give us the player that you've lost hope in. 
Yeah, mine was, or is, I should say, Vernon Hargraves, the cornerback out of Tampa Bay. So he was highly recruited, obviously one of the top recruits, went to Florida, dominated at Florida, came in, and during the draft kind of process, a lot of people had him as the number one corner, even above Jalen Ramsey, because a lot of people had Jalen Ramsey as a safety, not a corner. I didn't buy into that shit. I had to I had to go to that draft to make sure that the Jags took Jalen Ramsey and not fuck this up. So <laughs> uh, all you Jags fans, you're welcome for fucking Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack and Yanni Kikakwe. It was a hell of a draft. It That's was such an draft. insane draft. Fucking cold, even in April in Chicago. But <laughs> god damn it. If, it was worth if it. You've, if you've never been to a draft an NFL draft. It is the best sporting event I've ever been to. Like, it was so much fun as a fan. Like, going there, drinking all day, doing all the activities, um, just seeing all sorts of different fan bases and stuff. It's it's super cool. I really, really enjoyed it. You knew, because uh, Jacksonville was picked first in the second round, right? You no. knew they were getting Miles Jack? No, they picked fifth. They traded up, actually. Okay. So but I, I do recall getting a text from you that day saying, I think they're going to get him, and they got him. Yeah, I was actually – so where the where the players walk out, I actually won tickets in a raffle for the second Damn. round. So I got to stand and right in front of all sorts of players. Anyway, so, yeah, a lot of people had Vernon Hargraves as possible cornerback one in this draft. I thought he was too small. It's super funny that the biggest thing was, yeah, but he he's a playmaker. He he makes plays on the ball. He gets interceptions. And Jalen Ramsey only had one interception in his entire college career. And now you look at their stats, and Jalen Ramsey has double digits interceptions, and Vernon Hargraves has one interception so far in three years. So he's my disappointment. I don't think that he's going to be anything good. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if. Tampa Bay tries to move on from him if it's not this offseason, next offseason. Austin, who has broken your heart? Um, You know, I tried to put this to just one guy, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and just list off quite a bit just because <laughs> I feel like there's always one or two guys drafted by the Chiefs every year, and I'm just like, you know what? Those guys are going to make a difference. They're going to be great for the team, and they don't. So my first guy here that just completely broke my heart, this goes all the way back to the 2014 draft, the one we redid just now this episode right in the third round the Chiefs selected philip Gaines. you know that name i do know that name dude is trash i cannot stand him all right awful cornerback i thought you know this kid's gonna come in he's gonna be our corner of the future didn't happen awful corner so glad he's gone another guy that i thought would be really good chris conley He's not bad. He faced an injury, but I thought he would be a lot more electric than what he was. He had the best vertical at the combine that year. I thought he would be a guy that would go up and get a 50-50 ball, similar to kind of what I was saying about Mike Evans earlier. I definitely thought he would come in, help, you know, light up the offense, be a good target for Alex Smith. Instead, he's a guy, you know, he's kind of around. He find a way to get open, but he just didn't live up to that hype that I thought he had coming out of Georgia. And then the next guy here that they recently just drafted about two years ago, um, Tano Passino. He's a big 6'8 kid from Villanova. Villanova. They drafted him in the second round. I thought he would come in and just tear it up. You look at his highlight tapes and the guy just splitting defenders from a defensive tackle position, just moving guys out of the way with ease. 
He comes into Kansas City, and it turns out you can be too tall for the NFL. He's having a hard time, you know, getting low, finding enough um, dip or bend, you know, getting around the edge. It didn't look too bad in preseason, and he faced an injury and was put inactive when he did get healthy, so he's not as good as, you know, what anyone thought where he might be. But I think this year with the defensive change and the defensive scheme, he might fit in better being able to hold the edge against the run just because he does have such long arms. And he's just got a body of a freak. I mean, if you look at a guy, he's just absolutely shredded. It's kind of jealous of it, honestly, because I don't understand how you get to be that strong and that ripped at that, being that tall and, you know, being a football player. But he's definitely a guy that, you know, I would like to see do better. He's kind of broken my heart because I thought he would just come in and tear it up. And he. So for me, I don't necessarily have just one player. It's just those guys that I thought would do a lot more for the team and just haven't done as much as what I was hoping for. So... You bring up Chris Conley. That is literally Jaguars wide receiver one. And you're telling me that you've lost hope in him. I did with the Chiefs just because I think a lot of that was with Alex Smith. The year he went down with an Achilles injury, he'd already had about three or four touchdowns and over 300 yards receiving in just that four-game time span. So when he does get the ball, he is electric. But when you also have a Tyreek Hill and a Travis Kelsey and a Kareem Hunt, what are you going to do with Chris Conley there? So it just came down to who are they wanting to pay more, Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, or Chris Conley. I think that obvious is pretty answer when you, that, that answer is pretty obvious when you think about it. But him going to Jacksonville, I think that's going to be a good fit for Foles. It's going to be a re- reliable receiver. You'll see him get a lot of catches, maybe not down the field, but the intermediate passes across the middle or along the sideline. He is very reliable, and I think he'll be good in Jacksonville for you guys. Cool. Yeah, him and TJ Hawkinson will be a sick duo. Can't wait. <laughs> Shoot, dude, you're taking a right tackle at seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Football. We'd appreciate it if you left a review, like, subscribe, do whatever you got to do. We'd appreciate it. Also, a lot of us are contributors for Whole Nine Sports, so be sure to check them out. As well as interact with us on Twitter, at Talkin' underscore football, as well as asking us questions. We have shirts, so DM us to find out more information about that. But again, thank you for joining in. Tonight, we've been talking football. <laughs>